To be honest, I wouldn't mind if it was like Brucey doing it, but you're like an absolute horror connoisseur. It's like, <laughs> it's like you know, Gordon Ramsay serving up like beans on toast or something like that. <laughs> no, but that, that's the thing. It's because you, you guys are so narrow in your approach to horror that you only think it's like one type of horror and you need to have no, jump scares no, and you need to shit. No. And I'm like trying <laughs> no, to broaden no. your horizons. It, it's much simpler than that. It's because you pick complete shit. <laughs> <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Joel. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. And this week is a continuation of our Halloween Horror Month. But anyway, <laughs> our Halloween Horror Month continues, and just like Eden Lake, this episode will start off quite pleasant and relaxing before quickly descending into a very uncomfortable experience. Uh, Off <laughs> you got planned. Just lots of uh, references to penises, to be honest, so n- n- not too dissimilar Fantastic. from every other episode. So all throughout October, each one of the films on Trial Gang will be posting a horror film that they found to be personally unsettling on trial. And today it is my turn, and I've picked the 2008 horror thriller Eden Lake. And I picked this film because I've watched many, or perhaps that should be too many, horror films. And although this might not be as traditionally scary as some other films, I did find it very uncomfortable to watch. And it did stick with me for a long time afterwards. And and as fed up with you guys, you, um, how would you compare this film to Blood Orgy at Beaver Lake? Uh, I would say there was more blood, uh, less orgy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm all, I'm also fed up of of just getting shit from Joel and Alex for constantly picking what they would call shit horror films. Oh, horror films. Oh, what they would call? <laughs> yeah, let's put that little caveat in. <laughs> <laughs> so so. I hope that you enjoyed watching this one, guys. Uh, but we will find out today if Lee, if Eden Lake is a happy retreat or a happy slap. Essentially, <laughs> will this film be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list? Now, before we go on, our last film on trial was The Taking of Deborah Logan. Now, Dave, you judged that trial and deemed that it should be placed on the hit list. You've since gone away and you've watched the film. What did you think? Did you make the right call or not? Oh my God, there's rats. <laughs> <laughs> they're, not, they're not even rats though, are they? I don't know what that is. It's just this soothing rainforest sounds. Squeaky wheels. <laughs> keep, keep playing it. I find it very chill. Um, did I make the right call? No. No, I don't think Three. I did. Um, I, didn't, I didn't much care for it. I, I told you I have a bit of a problem with possession films insofar as they all seem to be the same plot. You know, there's, no, there's nothing you can do fresh with exorcism films. Also, the best one's been made with The Exorcist, so I feel like everything else is kind of superfluous. Um, it sounded on the podcast like um, like there was enough going on there that set aside from the rest that would make it unique, make it special, make it worth a watch. Uh, ultimately, that wasn't the case. It was it was much the same cliche. Sure, it's, it's not a carbon copy of any other film, but it was still quite cliched. It was still quite obvious. It was all quite predictable and instantly forgettable. I, I will not remember the taking of Deborah Logan in a couple of weeks 
but I will convince myself that I haven't seen it and probably try and watch it again at some point. This is mm. what always seems to happen with possession films for me. So, no, I don't think it was good enough to make it to the hit list, really. But uh, kudos to the defense for, for tricking me. Tricking? That's such strong <laughs> words. Did you, what did you think? Because we, we did dig up that shocking jump scare at the end, Dave. What did you... Can you just um, chill out with those fucking... <laughs> <laughs> just let us talk on this talking podcast. And stop Good putting stop. those goddamn <laughs> sound effects in. Did you... <laughs> Dave, what did you, <laughs> what did you think of those uh, of the actual jump scare right at the end? Is this where she's basically like swallowing the little girl yeah. whole? Like that one. Um, quite laughable, to be honest with oh, you. Because wow. there have been the snake references throughout, you know, the snake cult sort of thing. And it's like, of course, she's trying to eat the little girl like a snake. I was like, yeah, right, standard. Um, yeah, um, laughable. Yeah, not not really. Didn't really have the impact I think it was meant to. Harsh, harsh words. Joel, how do you feel about that? I mean, it, um, it, To be honest, to express... I'm starting to think Dave has definitely got something against me these days. Because <laughs> first of all, he killed all my worms on Saturday, and now, and now this. It's just one thing after another. But I just we'll had to see. say, this was the video game worms. I didn't go into Joel's garden and just like commit some sort <laughs> of... killed the worms. Nothing will grow there again. Uh, but I'm, I'm pleased that Joel's catching up as to my uh, prejudice against him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you very much for that, Dave. Now, on to the trial. All of the roles have been picked out the hats at random. So acting in defense, oh no, they haven't. I'm lying to you. Uh, we essentially decided them all ourselves. Ignore that. I'm so used to saying that. Finally, you finally, honesty. <laughs> so in defense, I try to get this film placed in the hit list. Will be me and Ozzy. Once again, I've gone for classic horror film me characters. And you, you biff, not you and Ozzy. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Sorry, it's me and Joel. And uh, once again, I've gone for classic horror film characters here. So I'm just like Leatherface. I'm a dab hands with a hammer and my skin is turned yellow. <laughs> it's funny because it's true. It's very upsetting. And, and Joel is just like Ash from Alien. You often forget that he's really a robot and he loves a good glass of milk. <laughs> so random. I, I was actually thinking it was going to be from the Evil Dead then, so I was quite happy, but then it just took a wrong turn. Oh, but now, <laughs> I was going to say, now, now you've uh, given me some inspiration for next week. And uh, acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list will be Dave and Ozzy. Dave is a little bit like Norman Bates. He seems like a really nice and friendly guy who wouldn't harm a fly, but he will watch you in the shower. And <laughs> I'm talking from experience here. <laughs> you will leave the door open, Gal. <laughs> And call people to come into the room. <laughs> I called him in. I didn't make him stay. That's all I'm saying. And Ozzy is just like Chucky from Child's Play. He looks really cute in a set of dungarees. <laughs> and uh, now, just like real courts, advocates, the defense and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. These may or may not be their real opinions, though. So do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear their real thoughts. Now, this week, Alex has the most important job as he will be playing the judge and he has to decide which list this film should be placed on, hit or shit, based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinions. And Alex is just like Jason Voorhees. All he wants to do is teach those damn kids a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we get started, I think we should probably give 
the audience a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is about. I would say let's spin the wheel of impressions, but I think every week we've essentially been doing the impression for our own film. So I think I'm just going to say it lands on me. And uh, what, what we try and do here is we read off the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. So how would you like me to read out this synopsis? Um, in a, like a dodgy scally type voice. Brett or whatever his name is. Yeah, i got to be Brett. Jack O'Connell, is it? So like what, like a... Um... Just do your best scally voice, which isn't too far off your normal voice, but <laughs> let's try and spice it up a bit. I was trying to do, uh, I was trying to do more like, like in the film, more like a, like a cockney one. Cockney so I'll be song. like... Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow so it's not del boy <laughs> he's just an old school gangster <laughs> so, so I, I was i was actually doing i was actually doing that bit where michael fassbender gets a stanley gone. knife in the mouth <laughs> 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 refusing to let in <laughs> brilliant EastEnders Frank Butcher come on uh, uh, wait, I'll try to do more refusing to let any I can't even do it <laughs> I'll be okay I'll just I'll just do a scouse one okay what? <laughs> <laughs> refusing to let anything spoil their romantic weekend break <laughs> a young couple confronts a gang of loutish youths with terrifyingly brutal consequences. Very good. Like being back at school. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so without further hesitation, Alex, would you like to please kick off proceedings? I would. So here we are. It's Halloween Horror Month, and it's Gav's pick, and I'm judging it. So, I mean, it's gonna we, can all the see, list then, yeah. we can all see... We can all see... <laughs> where this is probably going, can't we? Um, <laughs> but as judge, I'm going to put aside my near 100% conviction that this is a horrendous piece of shit. <laughs> and I'm going to put that to one side. I'm going to say, Gav, what do you like about this film? What's good about this, eh? Listen, I've know? tried to go for a different type of horror film here this time around because I was fed up with you guys saying that all my horror picks are shit. So I've gone for something that is actually decent. So I'll give you just a very general summary of of the plot just so you know what we're all talking about later on and then i'll just go into a little bit of an overview about why i think this is a good film so it's about a young couple jenny and her boyfriend steve played by kelly riley and michael fassbender they as i said before go for a romantic camping trip to eden lake but it soon turns out to be less romantic than the couple had hoped for when they are joined in the woodland by a gang of loutish youths the gang are just general bellends but after steve confronts them they only get worse. Q, as I said last week, aggressive willy waggling. Uh, so the gang, <laughs> the gang slashed the couple's tires before eventually stealing their car. Steve confronts the gang again and accidentally kills their dog. The the gang take brutal. Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. <laughs> How does he accidentally kill the dog? It's a bit of a, a kerfuffle with a knife. One of the youths pulls out a knife, and uh, this and they yeah. end up stabbing the dog. Yeah, yeah, basically. Uh, okay. Remember Mario Brothers when Yoshi got shanked? It's, yes. It's a little bit like that. <laughs> Thanks, Joel. Continue. So uh, the gang take brutal retribution and they capture Steve and inflict some very hard-to-watch Stanley Knife-based torture on him. Steve eventually dies and the gang start hunting Jenny. Jenny King kills a gang member in self-defense. She's then captured. She's knocked out and she awakens to find the gang trying to burn her and Steve. She manages to flee in a van, kills another gang member by running them over. 
She escapes the woods eventually, and she eventually crashes her car into a house where a barbecue celebration is occurring. The partygoers start to help her before the gang turns up. And guess what? The partygoers are the gang's parents. And the gang inform them that Jenny murdered two of the kids. So the parents break down the bathroom door where Jenny is hiding. And the brutal final scene of the film is them closing the door behind them as we hear Jenny screaming. You know, it's a very sort of visceral, very affecting film, full of tension. It just it, it just does not let up. The story is very simple, but fuck me, is it effective? I mentioned before about watching so many different types of horror film, but this film stood out more to me, and I found this to be more genuinely scary because it is something that could actually happen. When it came out around 2008, this is around the time that David Cameron had championed more prevalence you know, in Asbos. Happy slapping was a trend which saw young people find themselves beating up innocent strangers. The horror doesn't need to come from a demon or a mask-wearing, knife-wielding psychopath. It can literally come from fresh-faced young adults or even children. This film spoke to many people's genuine fears of youth gangs at the time and still probably resonates to this day. I thought it was really, really shocking, really riveting, and I think this is a hit film. Okay, so basically sounds like a, a Daily Mail reader's absolute fucking nightmare come true <laughs> <Yes>. on screen. <laughs> um, coming to uh, the prosecution, you know, is this true? Is this, is, it sounds like quite a thrilling film. But also, I mean, Gav said Halloween 3 was a good film, so should I believe a word he says? <laughs> Fuck you, man. Halloween 3 is a uh, good film. Noted. I think, noted. I think you know the answer to the last noted. one. <laughs> I think you know the answer to the last question. <laughs> okay, Dave. Um, yeah, with the the take on, you, you hit the nail on the head. There was a point I've got here. Uh, it's like the editor of the Daily Mail wrote this. It's genuinely a point I wrote down. It, it does play on the broken Britain turn that, that David Cameron coined, you know, describing this, I don't know, state of social decay that, he, that was perceived to be going on in Britain, according to some of the newspapers at any rate, uh, in the noughties. And, and that's exactly what this film does. It plays on those fears. And I don't think that's a good thing. You know, it's almost like setting up some sort of class war or inciting people to like hatred of, of the classes beneath them because oh, oh, they'll kill you and your fiance if you if you cross them sort of thing. You know, this kind of nauseating sort of look at uh, the way the class divide works and just kind of like setting up a, a brutal hoodie horror. You know, you, who needs monsters when you've got people for just regular people at the end of the day, you know, they just they, they take this sociopathic term for the worse. Uh, the film isn't particularly thrilling, not so much as it is a dispiriting and, and <laughs> unrelentingly upsetting. It's a very distressing film to watch. You know, it's uh, it's unnecessarily bleak. What Gav was describing there, you know, the torture and murder of an innocent man and then the torture and pursuit of, of his fiance and ultimately her torture and murder at the end of the film, you know, it, it's unrelent unrelentingly grim. Uh, it's a very difficult watch. You know, it's very unpleasant to watch. You know, you don't enjoy watching Eden Lake at any point. You know, take from that what you will. And it's not even that it's that nuanced. It's not even that it's that fresh. This is essentially the sort of thing we've seen before with Last House on the Left, uh, with I Spit on Your Grave. You know, it's torture horror with an upsetting ending. It's it's nothing new there. And add to that, you know, the, uh, like I say, the Daily Mail sort of aspect of this, where it is almost like incitement to class war. It, it becomes quite an unpleasant film. You know, there was a book written by Owen Jones a few years ago called Chavs, The Demonization of the Working Class. And he specifically refers to Eden Lake and a few other films that came out around the same side, uh, same time, saying here was a film arguing that the middle classes could no longer live alongside the quasi-bestial lower orders. It was a direct quote from, from his book. 
and yeah, this film sort of like fed into that sort of fear that people were developing at that time and not in a good way, not in a way it was kind of making a joke of it, making a parody of it in a way that just fed it. And it's called, it's essentially demagoguery of the highest order. Demagoguery of our highest order, Gav. Bullshit. That's some big syllables word there, Gav. Fucking hell. Honestly, it's, it's a film, you know what I mean? You, you sound like one of these completely manic parents from the 90s that were saying the video games were causing children to go out and cause violence. Weren't they, Gav? <laughs> weren't they but just because you watched some tetris tetris led me to violence on multiple occasions but i mean it's so so with dave's argument then surely films like the page and get out would be inciting class war for us to kind of eat the rich and go and start murdering bankers like that's not happening dave it's a film you know what i mean it's it's playing on people's fears whether you want to say whether they're real or not At the end of the day the daily mail is the most popular paper in britain i don't know why it's a pile of shit but it still does speak to some people and it does resonate with them and you know it might be you know a fear that you think that you don't believe or that you might think is completely preposterous but it's a fear that some people have and it's a real fear as well but i wouldn't say that it's inciting any sort of fucking class war okay so moving on past the sort of like the idea of it inciting class war let's just aussie just to stay a little bit with defense like is this just torture horror porn is this just cheap torture porn sort of that we're, we're saying here compared to expensive torture porn yeah <laughs> just to stay with the prosecution is this just is this just cheap torture porn here well i mean i mean it almost certainly was made on the cheap i can't imagine this was a, a high budget film which isn't always not, not necessarily a bad thing but it, it really is exactly as dave said it it plays upon some of those well all of those middle class fears and just the sort of there's a whole host of truly poor decisions in order to get the horror out of there, you know, and, and it's, it is kind of gore for gore's sake in some, some instances. And, and the, the thing that works in its favor is that it's, it's realistic gore in some instances, you know, you can stand on a, on a pole quite easily in the woods running from, uh, you know, a gang of youths, which you've decided to incite into a fight for no reason and killed that dog. Do you know that's I'll like... see. I, I, I think you might be watching this film with a different slant because they didn't cite them for no reason. It's not like they were they like the they fucking famous right. five out for a picnic with their dog, <laughs> well, and then Michael Fassbender you know, goes up like a nice Timmy. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, if we go back to what Gav was saying about the story, basically, two middle class couple go to uh, go to this disused quarry so that you can propose to her. They rock up. And then sometime through their little idyllic uh, stay by the by the lake, the youths turn up and they put the music on and they're a bit loud and rowdy. Any normal couple, you know, that's a gang of youths over there. But they're, you know, it's a lake. It's a big lake. Why don't we go around the other side, actually? Why don't we move around? It's, it's even suggested, why don't we move to another place? But no, 30-year-old man decides he's going to have a fight with some teenagers. And then all hell breaks loose. It, the film could have could have just not. He didn't have to. It's just a matter of a purely pointless amount of pride, but ongoing, ongoing, ongoing. So but you could just say that for any film. You could say uh, any film could be like, no, well, why did they do that? Did the film just start? If Drew Barrymore okay. wouldn't have picked up that phone and screamed, she'd still be alive to this day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on to Joel. Uh, 
so looking at the horror a bit now, like I, I'm sort of a bit struggling to see how you can go from them deciding to share this lake together to a dog being stabbed, <laughs> a standing knife being put in someone's face, and then just generally just absolute anarchy. But like, you know, it does sound like that's where the film's going to go anyway. So Joel, what what sort of horror are we looking at? Is this just gore? You know, it does sound um, a bit like gore for gore's sake here. What 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 no, are you watching it, when you're scared? It is gory. Um it's kind of like one of those films where you almost expect the camera to kind of pan away from what's happening, but it doesn't. You kind of see a lot of like the gory details, but it's it's basically led by this guy called Brett, who is who's Jack O'Connell. He's like the leader of of the gang, but we say gang, we say gang. It's like a loose term. It's like a bunch of kids. Half of them really kind of don't want to be there. Like half of them are kind of really disturbed themselves as to what's going on. And, um, you know, it, it's more this guy who's just completely sadistic and he's just absolutely loving it. For example, when he burns Michael Fassbender, like a lot of the other ones are like, you know, oh, oh, oh this is, it stinks. And they're all like screaming and looking away and he's just kind of stood there laughing. So I would say it's more like led by him. And it's really disturbing that you can kind of almost imagine that, you know, we, we have things like that in today's society where perhaps, you know, kids get led along a path that really they don't want to be led down by, you know, somebody, somebody else who, you know, has had a tough upbringing, which is basically what this film is. Um, so I think in terms of the horror, it's a lot more kind of disturbing than actually scary. It's just one of them films where after it finishes, you, you're just kind of like, sick to your stomach it's not like you'll turn off the lights and you know you'll imagine this type of stuff in the dark or anything like that but it is just a very visceral film everything that happens you kind of almost feel you know every slash every hammer blow that type of thing i'd say it's akin to a little bit like a modern slasher but you actually care you know about the characters and a lot of the deaths and the the things that are unfolding on the screen i would say that you don't really see them coming. For example, if we think of like Friday the 13th or, you know, something like that, there's always like those generic stereotypes. You have like one guy who's just, you know, trying to shake his girlfriends, one guy who's like really loud and obnoxious. And you always know that those guys are going to die. Do you know what I mean? Like someone's going to get impaled, that type of thing. But here, you're never really sure who is going to die, who isn't going to die. And you, you know, you think that after... Michael Fassbender's character died that his girlfriend's going to survive and obviously you know it's it's not that simple so uh, there's a lot of really decent horror in this and I think it's just one of those films that keeps you on the edge of your seats because it's so unpredictable like it's so visceral and it's really in your face as well. Thanks very much uh sort of leads us quite nicely onto direction Joel saying that this is hitting you with every hammer blow hitting you with every sort of slash and stuff like that. Uh, Dave, would you agree with that? Do you, are you feeling this gore? I mean, this is, seems to be what the film's going for. So are you feeling that as you're watching the film? Yeah, you certainly do feel the gore. Um, it's directed by James Watkins, who the only other film I know of that he's done is Woman in Black. You know, the uh, the Daniel Radcliffe hammer horror yeah. that came out a little while ago. Um, he's a competent enough director, no doubt about it. You know, I won't, I won't do the guy a disservice. But you're right, there is this unnecessary focus on gore you know my takeaway from this film is that it is relentlessly depressing and upsetting and brutal and almost it goes too far down that road you know it's un it's needlessly so you know it, there's no need for that incredibly bleak harrowing ending 
you know, it's just in there to kind of upset the audience, kind of get that to get this manipulative sort of response. And so is the gore. Like Joel says, you know, he never pans away from the gore. You know, some of the best directors have had gory, horrendous things happen, but they've done it cleverly. They don't need to show you the horror as it is. They can just imply it and you get the idea. You know, there's no need to show this explicitly on screen. Uh, you know, the scene where um, Kelly Riley's character impales a foot on a spike, you know, and a spike goes right through a foot, she gets a foot impaled, and it's it's unnecessary. It's like, why? Why are we showing this? You know, it is it is almost like torture horror. You know, it's much akin to hostile as it is to anything else. You know, I think it was trying to be more clockwork orange, wound up more hostile, and it's just torture for torture's sake by the end of it. Unnecessarily visceral would be my takeaway. Uh Gav, it's just a cheap trick, all of this. So, you know, why the hell should I watch this film? I can, Sounds I, I like can, you've done it again. <laughs> I could see you laughing because you're looking at my face. And <laughs> no, I, no, I, it's, I, this, it's this, it's like this little sort of like thin lip smile. You keep doing a little shake of the head as you're just so, <laughs> so upset by what Dave's saying. It's fucking killing me. <laughs> so I, 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 like every bit of this, this gore, I think, does have a purpose. And that bit where you say that she impales her foot on the spike, it's a bit like the uh, a quiet place. So she's running through the woods because she's trying to get away. She impales her foot on the spike and she doesn't want to make that much noise because she doesn't want to alert the gang to where she is. So she's got to remove this spike from her foot without letting out a giant scream. And so it, once again, it's racking up the tension. Just the idea of standing on a spike is, is horrible enough. To see it is also equally unpleasant. But then the added sort of psychology of trying to go through that pain and trying to be quiet because you don't want to alert somebody because the greater fear more than getting your foot impaled by a spike is this gang who's coming after you and you're trying to be quiet. I think that James Watkins has done an amazing job here. This was his directorial debut and he absolutely came straight out the gates. And let's not forget, he also directed, well, in my opinion, the best Black Mirror episode of Shut Up and Dance. But, you know, maybe he hasn't done that much since. Which was that one? It was the one with the kid who is basically blackmailed into doing a number of things. Oh, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Fuck me. So, and, and I was surprised, actually, when I saw that. I was like, but then, actually, I'm not, because it's the same sort of, the same style of uh, uh, in that episode. It's replicated in this film and vice versa. It's the same sort of, like, ramping up of the tension. It's great at building this whole hunt or be hunted scenario throughout it's Jenny's constantly like on the move and you're with her at all times. You, you want her to get away, but you know, at the back of your mind, there's something gnawing away saying that she's not going to make it. And he's great. It's just evoking, like as Joel said before, it's just very visceral. These very sort of like real responses from us. We said about the, you know, stepping on, on the spike before there's another bit where she's got to hide in a bin to evade the gang. And the bin is just like full of like sludge and mess. And just like the, it very, it's very visceral. You feel it almost. You like kind of you shudder when she climbs into this bin. The tension at the end ramps up with the final scene where the gang, like basically, um, you know, it's revealed that their parents are, are uh, you know, the party goers at this scene. And you're just like screaming for it to get out, but there's nowhere for it to go. And you just know that the film's going to end soon. You're like, well, surely she's got to get away. She's got to get away. And then it just, it ends. And it is very sort of like, your heart is just palpitating. You're very sort of like upset by it, what you've just seen. I just think that it's it's a it's a very it's a very good film. It's a very good film, and and it's just chatting shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course. 
coming, <laughs> coming to Aussie, I want to know a bit more about these characters, especially, I'm sure we'll come on to cast as well with this, but especially maybe the youths. Do you know what I mean? Like, this does seem, you know, like it's talking about maybe more deprived children or, you know, gangs. And, you know, maybe at the time it was kind of that hoodie culture or the idea of hoodie culture, at least. I've got a fair idea about the two main, you know, the two more sort of, I guess, middle class couple. What are these youths like in the film? Um, you know, there's, it's filled with people who you will have seen in other stuff. Like there's, there's Jermaine Hunter. Um, he was in Attack the Block and... That Thomas Turgoose um, is the kid from um, uh, This Is England, or he was one of the kids in This Is England. And you know what? So there's, there's chops there, you know, there's people who've clearly able to do uh, an acting role, um, but th- like they don't do a bad job. They don't like it's hard to, to really say that they're doing a, a terrible job. It's not them that are the real problem with this. There's a big issue in terms of like script and choices you know and just in terms of the amount of time spent in certain areas but like uh, to try and answer the question a bit more succinctly is that they they are okay they're um the, the bulk of the children the, the, the teenagers the youths they're just pressured into it because the guy brett he's clearly you know the, the leader and and a bit of a psychopath in terms of the others are all scared of him so they'll do what he wants so you get mob mentality it, it, it's the pro the film itself and the choices made throughout they're just that far beyond the the reality that it, it's like they said it's almost a cheap trick to to play with your um your feelings you know your feelings of safety in your own home almost you know within your own country um that people are monsters and we should we should fear everyone that that's the the, the premise and that's kind of the the downside to the film uh but the the, the, the acting there from those kids is is generally all right you know uh, I, I think it's very good. I think Michael Fassbender and Kelly Riley, first of all, are both excellent. Um, Kelly Riley, especially, she basically has to, to carry most of the film. You know, Michael Fassbender's not in it for a massive amount of time. But she just does an excellent job. You, you know, you can tell she's desperate. You can tell she's scared. And it's one of those films where she needs to sell that in order to be able to get behind her type of thing. And she does that really, really well. But definitely for me, the standout was Jack O'Connell, who's Brett, who's kind of like the sadistic leader of um, the gang. He's just really great. Like, I, th- I think it's just one of those real things that you've got to watch because you you will be shocked at like the age of these kids. They're like kind of, I don't know how old they're meant to be, but I'd say they're kind of around the 14, 15, 16 year old mark. And, you know, just to have them act the way that they have done in such kind of like a graphically horrific film, it was really great. And Ozzy mentioned Thomas De Goose, who is in like This Is England and all those films, a really recognisable British actor. As soon as you'll see him, you'll be like, oh, it's that guy. He's excellent as well, even though he's a lot younger. He's kind of like one of the nice kids and he, he actually wants to help Kelly and uh, Kelly Riley, sorry, is Jenny. And she basically just stabs him in the neck before he gets a chance to say anything. Um, so it's 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 great. I think all the kids are just very, very well done. And I think they overall just kind of really sell it as a whole because, as I just said, you know, it's one of them films where if, if there is a weak link, the whole thing just kind of falls over because there isn't a large cast 
and you've got to get behind the characters that are trying to survive but the killers also have to really sell it as well and i think what well, overall that all of them do a very good job here I had to say, Dave, my big, my big worry there would be that the kids would let the side down a bit, but Joel's done a very good job at convincing me that they brought their A-game. Is that true? I'd say everyone's fine in this, to be honest with you. I don't have much to stick the knife into performance-wise. Everyone, the, the Stanley knife into, as we were saying <laughs> in Eden Lake. I'd say that it's pretty much a film with three principles, though. You know, you got Michael Fassbender for a, a bit. Kelly Riley, I'd say, carries the whole film. you got Jack O'Connell, who is... Uh, the supporting character, I'd say you see the most because of the focus on Jack O'Connell. You know, it's it's a powerhouse performance from the young lad. You know, I've got to give it to him. It's, he's, he, he sells this one. He really does. But because his performance is so overarching, everyone else kind of gets a little lost in the woods, should we say. Um, <laughs> you kind of forget about the others by the end of the film. Um, but those performances are fine, to be to be fair. No, no complaints. Okay. Uh, Gav, I can see you're still champing at the bit. I feel like you've got a lot to say about Eden Lake. I can see this is quite close to your heart. So, I mean, bring in performances if you can. And if there's just some general thoughts you have about how much you love this film, and try not try, try not to cry and look directly at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I don't think I can add much more to the performance aspect. I think Joel's, very, Joel's covered that aspect very well. Uh, you know, uh, Kelly Riley, I hadn't seen her in much stuff before, but she was fantastic in this. The way she was able to express s- such a complex range of emotions is amazing. And um, yeah, J- Jack O'Connell, as as Dave even said, absolutely brilliant performance. I wasn't surprised when I saw him appear in more blockbuster stuff after this because he gave such a good performance. But overall, I, like, I just wanted to go into a bit more detail about the horror. Uh, and Joel mentioned some of this before, but... I mentioned that the story is, is fairly simple. It's a, a common concept of innocent people or, you know, peoples being terrorized or hunted or killed by a group of assailants. And then they're forced to take action. Dave mentioned it before. He said, we've had films like this before with Last House on the left and you know, so, some of the others that he mentioned. But this is different because although it might you know not be a unique concept, I think the way it's executed is perfect. It might not be an out-and-out horror. It's just very, very unsettling. There's no fanning about setting up the story, no exposition dialogue, no fluff. The film just starts and the discomfort starts very early on. And the the unique thing about this is it's a discomfort that most of us are familiar with, having to confront or be confronted by a gang or, you know, by somebody that, you know, that we are wary of. I'll just jump in quickly. Yeah. Uh, I'd liken this, Alex. You know, when you go to Gav's house and immediately you just feel uncomfortable. It's that, it's that type sure. of feeling right i mean more so or less so than that do you know what i mean probably it's, it's more to same. be honest it's, imagine imagine right this is like i'm setting the scene here you've arrived at my house and you know that i've done extensive diy but you can't identify what it is i've been working on and then i asked you the question what do you think it's that sensation you know what? The, the worrying thing is sometimes i know exactly what it is but i also can't help myself from like seeing your face when i point out like <laughs> stuff that you did years ago and just seeing you sort of <laughs> start I, to sort of shake your this head. weekend just gone i, I complimented his skirting boards literally <laughs> the entire house has changed since i was last there apart uh, from the bloody skirting boards <laughs> i realized just for future reference everyone goes around to gavs he loves his fucking beading so just just tell him his beating's good. Oh, you tell me that now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm yeah. more upset. There was no invite sent sent my way. I, I mean, I, I wasn't I, gonna go anyway. But I, I invited you. I invited you on WhatsApp. You didn't respond. I haven't it, got a phone. 
Oh, oh, of course, yeah, I forgot. I'm sorry. That's my bad. That is my bad. But, uh, I, I, learned, I, I always remember um, Alex coming around and me being like, oh, what, what do you think? Because uh, I just painted the whole stairs and landing. And Alex was like, oh, yeah, it's really nice. What colour are you going to paint it? He was being genuine. He pretty much lost his shit completely after that one. Alex. I'm quite proud. On that note, though, about going in and not noticing things, is that's literally the, the premise of the film there, is that the couple, the lovely couple, think that they've got, you know, like we turn up to Gav's house, you rock up and you maybe you miss something and you and he's there being a little bit angry. It's his house. It's where he goes all the time. He's been around. He knows exactly what's going on. That's like the kids, yeah? They go to this disused quarry, which is bought up by a private developer, right? We're all on... We're all on somebody else's land here. We've all broken the, the law coming into Gav's house and ignoring the paintings, you know, ignoring his new dado rail. Doesn't but, mean right. we stab him in the neck, though, has he? <laughs> <laughs> we'll his Give it time, Joel. Let's see. <laughs> well, not, not literally, but that's... <laughs> you, you're weird, stab me. We get angry at the Gav then for bringing it up that we, we didn't notice something, and then Gav gets angry at us for not noticing something before you know it. There's a lot of tension in the room. But that's what's going on there. They're all in the wrong... None of them should be by the lake. But I, I, yeah, everybody I, seems to think that they're allowed to... Has he's gone from being a job's worth for the kids, saying that like <laughs> the kids are fine, to being a job's worth for everyone? Well, nobody should have been on that lake. It's private property. They should have all been found. £200. <laughs> right, now, I, I will say that... Uh, the point that Ozzy mentioned before, by the way, uh, the reason that Michael Fassbender doesn't want to move is because that lake was very symbolic for him. You know, that's where he went when he was a child and he was like, we were here first. They came afterwards so we shouldn't have to move. He's just been very stubborn. But the, my, my thing is that the antagonists are very, very believable. They're very familiar. You, uh, and so are the, the protagonists because I think because the antagonists are so be believable, you relate and support to the protagonists easier, earlier and more than you would in something like Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th. So you really root for the heroes. And the whole crushing aspect of the film for me, the bit that stays with you is that the protagonists don't actually win. You know, it, it, they are victimized, they are brutalized. And at the end, it, well, it's left to the audience's imagination. But it's presumed that Jenny suffers a horrendous death. You want to feel satisfied when you finish a film, but this leaves you almost bereft. Not only do the heroes lose, but they lose in such a devastating way. And, and on the point, another point that lingered for me after the film was that you thought that the gang and the leader, Brett, specifically, were, were pure evil. But then, as Joel mentioned before, it's not the rest of the gang. It is just him manipulating people. But then at the end, when they arrive at the party, you realise that they're the way they are because their parents are horrible shits too, probably even worse. There's a moment where Brett tries to maybe defend Jenny or maybe take some of the blame, but his dad completely and violently shuts him down. You know, evil begets evil. And after watching Scream or Halloween, you can say to yourself, oh, this is just a movie. But after you watch this, you think to yourself, this could potentially happen. Okay, Dave, could it potentially happen? I think it's a bit extreme to say it could potentially happen. The Daily Mail will tell you it could. And the Daily Mail will tell you it happened last weekend and the weekend before that. And it <laughs> will continue to happen until the PM does something about it. But now it's still a very cliched <laughs> film. It's still very much trope laden. It's still very much going down the route of it, it's devoid of common sense. You know, the, the essentially the protagonists don't make the right decisions. You know, while Michael Fassbender is being tortured, Jenny's sat there watching from the bushes. What would you, you know, do, Dave? What would I go get help? 
Go get help. Go get a phone. She, she hasn't got any signal. So the only thing that she can do is to exactly. There's no signal. Oh, yeah, that was it. Yeah, she's yeah, well, I'm going to hear. I'm going to hear from the prosecution, and you're going to have to hear them say something <laughs> because that's the you. format that we chose. <laughs> you're going you're to have to hear them criticize the film, and I'm sorry. This is the format but... you chose. You came up the with role. the idea. <laughs> I'm, I'm, the role you assigned me. I'm going. I'm going on mute. <laughs> By the way, one of my uh, favourite scenes, by the way, Dave, I mean, sure, mm. maybe you'll agree with me, is it's not long after that bit is where, um, so he's covered in cuts. Yeah. And then he goes in that lake. So he's in the lake. Clearly, he's going to be dying. Not, yeah. not, not, not happy enough that he's now fully infected because he's been in the, in the lake, totally covered. She drags him through the mud, right, gets him as dirty as possible. And then she just lies him down, just like, just, just leave him there. And he's, he's like, you need to go and get help. And then she goes, <laughs> no. Yeah, I need to. I, sorry, I, I need to go and get help. And then he says, yeah, I know. That's like basically, yeah, I know. That's what I've just said to you. Please go and get help. I'm going to leave you now because I need to go in. Um, I need to go and get us some help. I'm going to gonna make sure we get saved. And he's like, yes, go away, run away and get me some help. She doesn't do that on purpose, does he? She doesn't be like, oh, he's got loads of cuts. I'm going to just pick up some dog shit and rub them into it. They're they're hiding from the gang. That's why they're in the lake. I do believe that was accidental. But, you know, the point we're making is... What I mean is that that conversation of the the repetition of, you need to go and get help. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to leave you here. And then I'm going to go and get help. I'm going to run away and get help. And it just goes on for ages. Like way too long, just back and back and forth. Yeah, there is essentially what we're getting at is common sense just kind of fly out the window at some point. And this film is not fresh. You know, it's essentially the hills have eyes, only now the hillbillies are wearing hoodies and they win. Okay. That is essentially the film. <laughs> that is essentially it done. Okay. I've heard a lot and I've got a lot to mull over. Uh, does anyone have any final points or should we go straight to a quiz? Gav, do you have anything you'd like to say? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I best Perhaps. not. <laughs> I, best, I best not. I'm just, just, uh, I'm, I'm just going to be watching you very, very carefully make just, this decision. I, I have a little. Uh, I can see the couch behind you. Have a little lie down, face down, maybe for a bit. Put a wet towel on your face. Or uh, um, Anyone else got anything they'd like to add? I don't think so. I think we've covered it all pretty nicely, to be honest. Even dragging um, people through the mud. Fantastic. <laughs> we'll end on that thought. Uh, who's got a nice quiz for me? Hello. Uh, so uh, this quiz is all about youth gangs, and basically, I'm going to name the participants or the gang members of a famous cinematic gang, and you guys have got to tell me the name of the gang and the name of the movie that that gang is from. So. It could be a case that the movie is the same name as the gang, so you only get one point for that one, but there could be two points on offer. So 10 it's questions the here. Crew in there. Uh, the Crocky Crew <laughs> is in there. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so number one, are we ready? Mm-hmm. Dim, George, Pete. Famous Five. And Alex. No, it's not the Famous Five. Oh, uh, that... I'll go for Alex. Orange. Alex, yes, a Clockwork Orange. And what is the name of the gang? The Mood yeah, Lund Orange Gang. No. That's Dave? the bit I was struggling with. I couldn't remember the name of the gang. I knew it was Clockwork Orange, but Pink Eye. Um, it is Pink Eye. <laughs> um, give us a clue. It, it sounds like a, a cinematic cartoon that Ryan Reynolds uh, lends his voice to. Pikachu. Uh, no, um, it's a, a family of, of cavemen. 
Oh, the Croods. What is it? It's yeah. Oh, the Croods. It sounds like the Croods. Uh, I can't remember what, what the gang's called. Go on, Gav. The Droogs. Droogs. Of course, of course. Okay, number two. Hopefully, one for Ozzy here. Katie Heron, Karen Smith, Gretchen Wieners, and Regina George. You know what? I was on just the, uh, just yesterday, actually. Uh, what is it? Mean, mean Girls. It is Mean Girls. Well done. And what's the name yeah, of the gang in Mean Girls? Oh, bitches for life. It's not bitches for life, although that is their mantra. Dave, I feel like you know this. I'm being, I'm being, I've I'm never being seen Mean Girls. The room. Oh, no. no? Oh, there you go. Yeah, I'll see. Was right. It's the plastics. Well done. Okay, so next plastics. one, number three, Daryl, Dallas, Soda Pop, and Pony Boy. Right, I'll give you a clue because this one's a bit hard. So I'm going to name the actors who played those characters, okay? Starting with Matt Dillon, Emilio Estevez, Patrick Swayze, and Tom Cruise. What the fuck? Yeah. They're in a film together. Yeah. Oh. This is like this is a, a film that started a lot of their careers. Vampire thing? No, it's it's not vampire thing. thing. It's Western um, thing. It's not Western thing either. Back action thing. <laughs> it's uh, the Outsiders. The Outsiders and their gang was the Greasers. Okay, no, we're moving on. Moving on. Number four, Stan, Eddie, Mike, uh, Dave. This is the Losers Club from it. Well done, Dave. Yes, it is the Losers Club from it. Uh, next up, number five, Sonny, Doody, Putty. Yes, Ozzy, well done, the T-Beds from one. Grease. Well done, well done. And Grease too. Uh, I, I, I don't know if actually they were Grease too, I can't remember. They probably so weren't, actually. Minus points for Ozzy there. Oh. <laughs> Number six. Ozzy, you should know this one, you fucker. Cleon, <laughs> Swan, um, <laughs> Dave. That is the Warriors from the yeah. Warriors. It is the fucking Warriors from the film The Warriors that Ozzy put on the shit list. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, oh Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you only just recently remembered that Ozzy did that, Gav. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, somebody reminded me of it on Saturday night, and it, I was just, I just, like, it felt like heartburn. <laughs> Mike, just Mike reminded, it was Mike, wasn't it? Mike reminded yeah. me about it in the car when I was driving to the train station. Yeah, yeah. He told me, he, he said he listened to it quite recently, and he was like, I can't believe Ozzy put the Warriors on the shit list. And I was like, did he? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, right, uh, number seven, Sh- Sean, Woody, Milky, Pukey, Kez, and Gadget. They're toys from Toy Story. Oh, <laughs> no, no, although they do sound like ridiculous names. Okay, I, I, once again, I'll give you some of the actors who play those characters. Thomas Tergoose, Jack O'Connell. Oh, is it the ones from um, This Is England? It is well done, Ozzy. Yeah, this is England. Yeah, I was hopefully trying to throw you off the scent there because both of those two. I was saying him because well. that was just that you said it before, but yeah, I don't know. And what's the name of their gang, Ozzy? It's very generic. What are they? The boys. No, no, the skinheads. The skinheads. Oh, right. Number eight: Mikey, Brand, Steph, Andy, Mouth, Data, Bam. and Dave. Bam. The Goonies. It is the Goonies. Well done, Dave. Yes, well done. At number nine, Marco, Dwayne, Paul, Michael Emerson, and David Powers. Well, Alex, is that from the 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 stand, uh, stand by me? 
No, although I did write the gang from Stand By Me, but right. I deleted it because I thought it'd be too hard. That is the vampire thing, isn't it? Lost it is, Boys. It is well done, Joel. It is the Lost Boys. Congratulations. You keep a sub limit in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, well done. <laughs> and number 10, action. Big deal. Ice. Bah, bah. Oh, oh shit, I don't know. Bah. Uh, top Gun. No, it's gone. No, it's not Top Gun. No, the last two, Tony and Riff. You should oh, all remember this. Grease. From that film, that, that play that you were in? Um, it was, yes. It's, it's West Side Story. Yeah. It is West Side Story. It's the Jets. I, I would have hoped that my dramatic death scene would have sparked <laughs> some remembrance <laughs> in you there, but obviously not. I'm sure we brought this up before, but <laughs> well, I'll there it is. Yeah, I remember that point. <laughs> like going to watch a fucking play, an amateur dramatic play, to watch my mate play in it. And you were only in it for fucking half the thing. <laughs> <laughs> that was—that's the best play I've ever been in. You literally just—you die at the end of the first act, and then you just sit off for the rest of the film, and then come back on for a big applause at the end. Brilliant. Right. Anyway, right, that's it. So uh, tallying up the scores, there, Dave has won, and you have won yourself membership into the Waterloo branch of the Skinheads. So All right. shaven. <laughs> I'll introduce you, Dave. Don't worry. Oh, They're great lads. <laughs> They're great, great lads. So, you know, this was, considering that this is Gav's Halloween horror pick, this was much less cut and dry than I was expecting. Uh, I'll be honest, I don't think I'll agree with this film politically. I think from that slant, I'll fucking hate this film. Politically. Yeah, but, like, you know, just to, just to jump in front of you there, Joel, that probably shouldn't matter. And it doesn't matter. It should, doesn't mean if a film should be on the hit list of a shit list, even if I don't like where it's going with youth culture and hoodie and all that bullshit. It doesn't sound like a bit of bullshit there, but is it a horror film? It does seem like the cast, everyone agreed, were pretty good. I mean, you know, very good to just good, but still pretty much a positive thing. I think it came down to one thing for me here, and it's about like the sort of distressing nature of the film itself, like the sort of torture porn element, and if it's gratuitous or not. Um, the thing is, and I think the thing that decided it for me, there's that is if when like torture porn and when all that sort of like just over gore is too gratuitous, I feel like you lose interest a little bit and it starts to be a bit shit and you don't care as much. And I actually got the sense that everyone cared quite a lot, actually. And even if it was unnecessarily bleak and unrelentingly grim, that actually maybe that's what the film was going for. And if it was just completely gratuitous, I think possibly you would maybe switch off and you wouldn't actually care about it and you wouldn't want to watch the rest of the film. So even though I don't think I'll like the film and I actually don't think I'll particularly agree with the film, I do think the film has done what it meant to do and be a horror and be distressing and also have a very good cast. So I think that's enough for me to say, shockingly, that Gav's got a film on the hit list for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Just the first time. Um, oh no, I think Demon. Did Demon Knight go on the hit list? De- listen, if Demon Knight didn't go on the hit list, then I will have something to say next time I see you. <laughs> Come on, Gav, take the win. Come on. Okay, thank you very much. Enjoy, thank you. enjoy the moment. Um, yeah, uh, uh, so genuine opinions. Um, I don't actually like it, to be honest. Although yeah, I wasn't this uh, I wasn't as annoyed as I was, I was making out. Dave sent me a lovely private message to check that I was okay. But um, <laughs> it's was... funny, like it, it when you pick a film, even if you don't like it, you almost take it personally at times. <laughs> yeah. so. 
I, I would like to say that I'm just playing up, but maybe deep down, maybe that's not the case. Maybe I'm just so ultra competitive. Um, but no, I, yeah, I do actually really like this film. When thinking about a film that has affected me or I found unsettling, I was thinking about this for days afterwards. It's like one of those ones that leaves you with a real gut punch where you're just like, oh God, you know, like the fucking bleak that. I was hoping for some sort of redemption at the end, but no, it just, it just left you with a sour taste. And it, in, in a good way, I mean, like, you know, because you're thinking about that film afterwards, you don't have to watch it again. You just you just know. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it, even though it was really depressing at points. <laughs> I hope that you like it. So, Joel? Yeah, I thought it was all right, to be honest. I mean, it's definitely one of those films that you just watch and then you're done. It's not like, let's crack out Eden Lake and have some popcorn now. But um, <laughs> and, and I just personally think you should be allowed to make a film about, you know, what you want, really. Like, having a gang of youths in there just because they've got, like, hoodies on or whatever, I don't think people really need to read that much into it. It's just a horror film at the end of the day. Um and I, but I thought the whole kids thing and the whole like realism thing was was really good because it kind of hits a little bit you know closer to home. So yeah, I thought it was all right. Thank you, Joel and Ozzy. I hated it because it's a horror film, but liked it because I thought it was genuinely quite scary. To be honest with you, I think um, I thought it was scarier as a thriller in terms of it's not supernatural. You know, there's bits of it that are almost relatable. The running through the woods and um getting hurt through the, you know literally a spike through the foot i think in some ways is you know it's, it's more believable you don't need to uh you don't need to spend any disbelief because everything is relatable mm-hmm. um so i think your some your summing up is pretty accurate that you will hate it from a politics point of view if you read into it that much um which i think is easy to do to think that that's what the the ultimate goal was that but uh but yeah, it's a. Uh, I, I thought it was pretty scary, and it was a. Um, it was it was a good film. You know, glad I watched it. I won't be watching it again. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody is done for that film. I don't think you need to watch it again. <laughs> and uh, the, the interesting one here, Dave. What did you think? Uh, I did not enjoy Eden Lake first time around. I did not enjoy it second time around. Is it a good film? Absolutely, it is. It is one of the best British horror films of the last 20 years, without a shadow of a doubt. It just elicit the sort of upset out of you, the anger, the upset, you know, the, the feeling of just desolation you get at the end of Eden Lake. It's not a happy feeling, but for the film to draw that out of you, to elicit that from you, when you're very aware you're just watching a film like you've watched many times before, the people who made this film did their job. They know how to execute this plan, and they did it very well. To get that sort of emotional drive from you, You've got to applaud them for it. it was, it's a very well-made film. The direction is superb. Performances are top-notch. What I was saying about the, the social commentary side of it, the criticisms that were leveled at the film, those are genuine criticisms that a few people came up with. Uh, I don't actually believe in looking into the film that much, to be honest with you. I think they were looking into it a little too deeply. Watch the film. I was going to say enjoy the film. You don't enjoy it. Watch the film for what it is um, without getting embroiled in that Daily Mail aspect of it. But those were genuine criticisms that critics came up with. And I think the reason why so people were so repulsed by the film, why they came up with these hefty criticisms of it, is simply that it hit home for them. You know, I think it really did hit a nerve with the British uh, public and with the British press at the time. And I think, yeah, it, it hit that nerve because it is almost not quite i don't believe this ever really happened but it's almost plausible and i think that really did get fear call it manipulation if you want to be negative 
but it elicits that fear out of you. It is a genuine horror film, and it will stay with you after you've watched it. Good stuff. Thank you very much, Dave. Well summed up there. Uh, okay, so higher or lower than our previous film on trial, which was The Taking of Deborah Logan, which scored 91% uh, critical on Rotten Tomatoes and 48% audience scores. Uh, I'm going to go for lower critical and higher audience. Pretty Same. easy, I think. Same. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you both, well, you're all right, to be honest. Although I, I, it is still debatable whether critics, yeah. well, 91% of critics liked <laughs> Deborah Logan when only 11 people reviewed it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's, it's still pretty high, though. So 79% and 66%. So yeah. And that, that is it. So thank you very much, guys, for your arguments. Really appreciated it. Uh, we are going to be doing Austin's pick next week, which is the 1984 horror classic, The Nightmare on Elm Street. Austin, why have you picked that film? Uh, because I think it could well be the first horror movie I ever watched. And then the one that want to watch it more going forward. <laughs> Was it the one that like put you off horror films for the rest of your life? <laughs> Pretty much, yes. And it's been a long time since I've seen it. But it definitely, you know, we we to- we made the choice of picking things which uh, had an impact on you, and um, that definitely had an impact on me in terms of uh, being absolutely terrified watching it. I remember watching it, it was with somebody who I wasn't even really friends with, but wanted who were older than me. They put it on, and I had to pretend not to be scared the entire time, and I uh, was absolutely terrified. I was definitely too young to have seen it, and uh, yeah, was terrified by it. So never That's watched it. Not- Look at you, even when you were kids, trying to be a people pleaser. (laughs) (laughs) Right, okay, so thank you very much, everyone who's listened to this episode. If you liked the episode, check us out. Check out some more Films on Trial content at filmsontrial.co.uk. Check us out on Twitter, at Film Trials, or Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, Films on Trial. So that is it. Eden Lake is a hit, and we're going to be directly in your ears next week with... The Nightmare on Elm Street. I should have said we're going to be directly in your dreams next week with uh, The Nightmare on Elm Street. And uh, added bitch onto the end of it. Help. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> 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 Goodbye. Oh, and also, I will say that I did ask uh, at the end of the podcast episode last week, is, is anybody up to doing anything next weekend? And Alex <laughs> said no. Sure, and uh, you probably just ignored me. So you had you out there, mate. So fuck you. Go back, go back to what we said. Fuck you. Actually, uh... Well, unfortunately, Gav, your uh, admittance of guilt is recorded on the podcast. <laughs> and, and there it shall remain, even though this, is, even though this brainwave's come to you now too late, mate. <laughs> I think actually um, you brought it up and then I pretended that we, we said that you'd left. <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, I asked if you wanted to do something, and then you all pretended like you didn't hear me. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh.